welcome to episode four of the Hopeful Brain podcast, where we learn to courageously access and explore hope despite neurological injury and the messages we get from the world. I am so excited to talk to you today about negotiation pitfalls and skills when your child's health is the hostage. And I am so excited to bring to you some of the science and stories that might be very useful for you in the future. So the story I want to share with you today is about the night before my, my son's first brain surgery at six months old. My husband had offered to stay the night with my son in the hospital the night before while I got a good night's rest because I'd been in the hospital for a few days with him. And we had received two different instructions from two different me- medical teams. My, the neurosurgeon told me that my son could eat up until midnight the night before the surgery, which was super early in the morning, I don't know, five, six, something. And, but the, you know, the regular floor hospital team told my husband, like, no, he can't eat 12 hours before. And so my husband called to tell me this, and I just couldn't take one more additional molecule of suffering for my son. And my husband wanted to go with what the hospital was saying. I wanted to go with what the neurosurgeon said. We couldn't come to an agreement, so I drove to the hospital. I gave up my sleep the night before, and I said some probably not nice things to my husband, and the doctors and nurses there did allow us to do some extra food. So I spared my son a few hours of suffering. But because of the dignity wound that I had caused my husband, the way that I treated him, like he wasn't trustable, he wasn't safe, and, that, and by the way I did it, that I wasn't safe for him, my son had to pay the price of having two parents in conflict for the five days after the brain surgery when, when he had these grids placed on his actual brain surface inside the skull, very uncomfortable for five days, measuring the exact boundaries of where the the seizures were happening and and then at the end of those five days they they thought they knew where the boundaries were and and then we had the final surgery where they actually removed the tissue so this brings up this question that I have been trying to figure out especially since then is how does one navigate and negotiate life and especially in these medical worlds with children and spouses and the the numerous points of conflict that come up in a unified personhood way like how could I be the same with doctors and nurses as I was with my husband and my son so I wasn't always having to switch my you know my my personality up to fit with how to negotiate what I needed And so I'm really excited to share with you some of the science and the solutions that I found. So before we get more into the science, let's just review a little bit of brain anatomy, right? The brain has eight lobes to it. 
two frontal lobes in the front, two parietal lobes in the top middle, two occipital lobes in the back right and left, and then two temporal lobes on the bottom sides, you know, above the ears. So when my son went in for surgery, they thought it was just going to be a little, a little spot to cut out in the right temporal lobe, and then we'd be good to go probably for life. Well, the surgery turned out to show you know, when they measure, measured directly on the actual brain surface that he needed to lose three entire lobes of his brain, the right temporal, occipital, and parietals. And within the, the, the right parietal, well, the right temporal lobe and the left temporal lobe is a little almond structure called the amygdala. And the amygdala is an amazing little structure that picks up on threats. And which is great. It can help you survive. It can help you know when another person is dangerous, when an animal is dangerous. Very functional part. Great. But it can hijack you, especially in our modern world where, you know, there's clickbait that tries to trigger your amygdala news. And when you're going through, you know, a lot of medical procedures, it can be very traumatic and feel very difficult for the amygdala. So my, my, my frontal lobe, which is all about reasoning and higher cognitive function and executive function, to that part of my brain, okay, the brain surgery thing makes sense. But to my amygdala, it felt like a threat. Like it felt like really dangerous for my baby. So there was this constant going on of, of these two conflicts within my brain. And I have found that calming the amygdala is so important in all the relationships that I deal with. And the way that I have found to do it, a lot comes from evolutionary psychology as well as just neuroscience, is dignity. A dignity approach. And you might say, what the heck is dignity? That's what I said too. So I went to the dictionary and it's much more than respect. It's actually an acknowledgement of inherent worth of a person. Respect is earned. Dignity is just there. It's just given. And part of the consequence of this dignity is that when you really accept your own dignities, you realize, well, then I'm powerful enough to make the world more heavenly or more hellish. And in fact, um, a psychologist named Jordan Peterson said, Dignity means that you are part of creating the world we all live in, whether more towards heaven or hell. You create with both your actions and your words. Now, when I had to teach this to my kids, the best thing that I could come up for all of them to understand at their different levels, their age at the time, 12 down to two, you do good things. That is the base, most basic part that I can come down to to help a child understand and to help my amygdala understand when I'm seeing something negative, if I can bring out that. It's, it's a very powerful way to induce dignity thinking. Now, Ben Franklin, the neuroscientist of 200 years ago, he said the following, which I think is so wise so powerful, I think he must have understood the amygdala, even though it wasn't probably identified by then. He said, although it may have been, he said, tart words make no friends, 
A spoonful of honey will catch more flies than a gallon of vinegar. Tart words make no friends. Because tart words trigger, trigger the amygdala that there's danger and that they can't be trusted. So when I said those negative things to my husband the night before my baby's surgery, those tart words, I was triggering his amygdala, which lowered his frontal lobe ability to do reasoning and higher thinking, which we desperately needed that week to be on our A-game frontal lobe work. But instead we got caught in just this amygdala storm all week, unfortunately. And I think that, you know, the amygdala is there to help you survive. It's, it's, it's not a terrible thing. It's, it's a good thing. It helps us learn. But it can hijack us. Uh, and I love what Hagrid says in Harry Potter. I think it's book three. The key to any beast is to know how to calm him. So how do you calm this amygdala beast? I think the, the, my favorite three ways that I've discovered that helps me be a unified person, no matter who I'm working with, children, doctors, therapists, family, you name it. Number one, don't interrupt others. When we started implementing this in our family, I would say our stress level just cut in half. And it's not that you can't say what you need to say, but you have to give people time to finish what they're saying. And I saw my children feel so loved, respected. They felt dignified by me not interrupting them. Uh, very powerful. And that is one thing that one of my wise friends taught me about doctors when she stayed in the ER with me and my baby, the, our first ER visit. She said, do not interrupt the doctors. Allow them to finish because they're explaining compl complex things and they need to finish their thoughts. She was teaching me very early on how to treat doctors with dignity. So grateful for that, friend. Number two, do interrupt your own thinking. And I do that with the, the quote, you do good things. That pulls me out of that amygdala, everything's bad, everyone is bad, and gives me a, an option to think of someone as good. And... Then the other one is to think of a ridiculous reason why someone might do something. You know, like if my son hits his brother, I will say, what's a ridiculous reason why he might have done that? Maybe because there's a poison dart frog on his shoulder and he was trying to save him. And everyone laughs and it's, it, it, it disarms the amygdala long enough to think of real causes and real solutions. So very powerful very helpful. Do interrupt your own thinking. I also use that Simon game to interrupt my thinking. And number three is you need scripts. You need dignity scripts of what to say when you get in these situations, especially when your amygdala is triggered. It's hard for your frontal lobe to think what to do next. So my favorite short way to do it is is something I call the lollipop method. You know, there's the candy and the stick. There's two parts to it. And the first one is, you know, like the honey that Ben Franklin talks about. And if I could go back and use the lollipop method with my husband that night before our brain surgery, I would have said something like, thank you for wanting our son to be safe during his surgery. We are so lucky to have you. 
I would be happier if he didn't have to suffer so much the night before and he could have more to eat, like the surgeon said. Could you ask the doctors one more time and show them the pamphlet we got? And that shows dignity to my husband. Like, thank you. You're a great dad. You're a great person. You're a great protector. But it also shows dignity to me where I'm showing what would make me happier and make my mitochondria calmer. Uh, and that's a great negotiation tool. Other books that I really like for learning some of these dignity thinking, dignity concepts is, of course, the book called Dignity by uh, Donna Hicks. She also has one called Leading Dignity, which I think is important because when you are the parent of a child with these medical problems and then later probably with educational issues that might come up, you have to be the leader of the medical teams and of the educational teams. And that's so important to learn to be a leader that does it with dignity. And that has truly helped me become a more unified person because I can show dignity to everyone and be the same person everywhere I go. The other book that I have been really enjoying is a new book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who was an FBI a hostage negotiator. Excellent book, lots of science, lots of practical examples. Of course, there's all with hostage kidnapping negotiations, but I think it really applies to you know, medical things and educational issues, like really teaches you how to talk to people, uh, even how to, you know, just kind of things like repeating the last three words that someone said can help them feel more understood. And, and he explains all the science in there, uh, mirroring back to people. It's a way to mirror people that you understand them. And our brains really like that. So that's a couple more resources to help you get more skilled at dignity. And I really want to invite everybody to learn these kinds of dignity skills, to tell the truth with love, because your child's life might really need it, you know? If you're in brain surgery week, you could really use those dignity skills. Uh, or the IEP week really goes better when you have dignity skills. Uh, in fact, our IEP team said to us, this is like a different culture. I've never been to an IEP like this. <laughs> Maybe I'll do another podcast on how to have a dignity culture in an IEP system. But anyway, um, I hope you all can bring in dignity into your lives because it brings out the best in everyone. It brings out the frontal lobe in everyone and quiets the amygdala in everyone. You get a more creative family, therapists, surgeons, and even more than that, you spread, it's like spreading world peace because then that surgeon goes to the next appointment with more calm and dignity. The next therapist, the, the therapist goes to the next family session with more calm and creativity and frontal lobe function. And your own family can really benefit and it's helpful in every relationship that I've used it with, even with raising our backyard chickens. So I hope this helps in multiple ways for you and that you get more of what you need for your family, that you're a better negotiator and a better calmer all at the same time. So thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. Talk to you next week. <laughs>